Kevin Shaw is on a mission to make empathy a habit for all so that people understand one another. He is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Jago. Jago is primarily designed for HR and DEI leaders to enable their employees to build more empathy, but it's also an incredible tool that Kevin encourages us all to utilize as we work to strengthen our own empathy muscles. It's a mobile platform that makes empathy building a daily habit by creating spaces to watch, reflect, and measurably grow using crowdsourced short stories that facilitate understanding new perspectives. Kevin is here to tell us more about how we can all work to harness the superpower of empathy. Let's take a listen. All right. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Thanks. Nice to get connected, Christy, and I'm excited to chat. Same. I'm really happy to have you here today. So to get started, let's talk about um, you started your journey as an integration and test engineer for in-flight entertainment, which led to your passion for product management. Can you tell us more about your work as a product leader and how much uh, how your passion for this work developed over time? Yeah, um, I, I I'm an immigrant. I moved here with following that American dream, following the get rich as fast as possible, get those millions of dollars. And so my, I wanted to really fo- figure out what I wanted to do. But my dad's like, first go get become an engineer. So I became an engineer. I enjoyed it. I did really well. And I went into techno- uh, building uh, in-flight entertainment and connectivity on planes. And so as soon as we connected the planes to the internet, these are JetBlue, United, America, these are large scale. Once these planes are connected to the internet in real time, they become IoT device, Internet of Things devices. So these are things like our phones or it could be our smartwatch. It's just a connected things that we can message, we can get information. So I w- went and pitched the idea of can we create a platform where we connect all these uh, planes in real time? And as an airline, you see what's going on, their planes in real time, what the location is as of the last five seconds message them, see what's happening on the plane in real time from anywhere in the world. And I led the creation of that, the world's first satellite-based real-time operations for planes. And you could see all the planes going from East Coast to West Coast in the morning and from West Coast to East Coast, you could message each of them and you could change how how you could do turnaround. When a plane lands, you're prepared because ahead of time, in real time, you know what's happening on the plane. So you could have mechanics available, or if you needed something, you could get information from the plane. And if uh, in the special case of the Thai Airways, when the plane got lost, we would have known as of last five seconds where the plane is with this technology. And so my love for product management technology came from understanding the customer, understanding who the end impact, uh, who the end users are, who the end uh, customers are that are impacted and empathizing with that. And so my love for product management came because as a test engineer, I was able, I had to be the customer. I had to be that user. And so I had, I was required by job to empathize, to understand, put myself in the, in the perspective of the people who would be uh, using the products. And so by doing that, it, it made me come to, okay, let's not be at the end of the chain. When as a test person, you're at the end of the development life cycle. How do I just, help determine what is being developed. And so that led me to product management, my love for product management and IoT, uh, Internet of Things. Um, And that transformed into a lot of the other work I did within the airline industry for 10 years. I did that job and was incredible uh, transformation. Till this day, that platform that is built is 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 considered innovative. It was it won awards. It was something that I truly was excited about. And I continue to do that in my uh, next part of my career as well. 
That's incredible. That part of your story, I did not know. And I think that that's just amazing that you were a part of something that was so innovative. And so can you tell us more about how that work led you to eventually create your company, Jago? Yeah, so that, that was all in Florida. Um, being an immigrant um, in Florida, being a gay man, um, we had a very retire, like a very nice life, like a nice house and a pool near the beach. But we felt retired. We didn't feel like we were growing. My husband and I, and we we were like, okay, it's time. I just got my MBA. It's time for me to go um, grow as people, find new places. And we wanted to pick a city, and we picked Seattle. And we found a company called uh, called Axon, where we where I joined as a product leader to build uh, technology for police. It's a very timely topic, especially what's going on yesterday and today. Um, with these are technology, this is the world leader in technology for police. They they were called Taser. They changed their name to Axon. They built Taser. They are the Tasers, and they they that's how the company started. The software services and body cameras and all these other products that they're building for public safety and police. Their mission is protect life, drive accountability. It's very easy to align with that mission. You come in, you're like, yes, I want to drive accountability. I want to protect life and I want to join it. And so we moved to Seattle with that. Um, I put myself all in into that work. And over the three years I was there, I, uh, I really just grew. I did so many things, worked on drones, worked on Taser. I led the Taser software transformation where the Taser was a hardware device and we turned it into a SaaS product. And I led that. Uh, and it was a new Taser that we launched. And I led... Uh, and then because of the work I did, the CEO asked me to lead a startup within the company. He's like, here's some budget. You will, can you go look into the communication space in public safety and see what we can do there? And I l- worked on that and that sort of evolved into the world's first real time operations for police. So I led the, as a, pro- as a director of product, I was leading as these body cameras, the new generation body cameras that came out are connected to the internet. They're IoT devices. They're on the uh, AT&T and Verizon uh, uh, first, uh, the response, the public safety networks. And these cameras can do all these other things, like a, essentially like a phone can do now. And so I helped create a team and we led and we built a, a platform where all these officers you could see on a map in real time where they were. And you could get notifications if there was a, a weapon draw or a gunshot detected or a taser used you would get a notification on your mobile app. You could click on it and you could watch live streams. And this is live right now in the world. And I, I was the f- first person to build it. In fact, I even patented, filed a patent. It's not, it's not um, issued yet with Axon, um, Star Trek's uh, hailing system. So if you, in, in Star Trek, when they go and say, hey, I'm going to hail the enemy ship or someone, I created that technology with them uh, where I am this uh, inventor for it. Where using the body cameras and mobile apps and everything, you can hail any public safety agency or other agencies that you're not even connected to. So you can communicate better and, and operate better in real time. So 2020 happened. I, I had a new leadership that got really tough. It, got, it, was, it was toxic. I felt uh, abused. I felt gaslit. But I was able to, I was working through that. But while all that was happening, George Floyd's murder happened. And in that moment, I saw the next trading day, the company stock hit an all-time high. And I became wealthier. And a small group of people became wealthier. And I, and the protests that followed after the murder, well, one of the major city police uh, agencies used the technology I had built 
to drive accountability, to protect truth against the protesters, to effectively arrest them. And they used the phrase to me, I, uh, we broke their spirit, so they didn't come back to protest the next day. And that broke me. I was like, wait, how can it be that someone's murder made me wealthier? How can it be that I am, I am doing, I'm working, doing this work with positive intent, but the impact is not that. When I looked, when I did a moment of reflection, we were, I was making money from the prison industrial complex by selling into that. And I was making money from the police. And yes, we were doing good. I'm not, I'm not going to say the tasers and body camera haven't saved lives and they haven't done good. They have. But what, what I noticed, because I've been deep, I've been ride-alongs. I've been to ride-alongs all over the world. In London, I've been in, in a police car driving really fast in the backseat and or on the sidewalk. And in Seattle, being part of a, a, a police ride-along where we saved some, we were helping save someone's life in a car in a hidden uh, car accident. Um, and I had to help. And and I've I've been on the front lines to understand and empathize. Coming back to the theme, and I wanted to ask myself that question. And then I realized that, wait, we needed to fundamentally change the system. This isn't a one police person or one cop issue. This is a systemic issue that we needed to change. And I could not continue to make myself wealthier on the system that continues to oppress. So in that moment, I resigned. I had a special performance-based contract uh, worth $15 million because of uh, my role at the company. Um, it was a unique contract that I gave up. Uh, it was over the eight years and I didn't have a job or a plan in the middle of the pandemic in June of 2020, I resigned. And then I was sitting on the couch with my husband. We were watching Crip Camp on Netflix, which is an incredible documentary that the Obamas produced about the um, civil rights movement of people with disabilities. And I asked myself, how do we solve the polarization problems? The po- political polarization was at the, it was just increasing and increasing. And then the police, uh, police and the community impact, uh, 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 polarization was also increasing. And how do we solve this problem? Also, I looked at the research, diversity, equity, inclusion, because of the toxicity that I faced in, in my workplace. I was like, how do we solve these? These are goals. Diversity is a goal. Equity is a goal. Inclusion is a goal. Belonging is a goal. What are the steps to get there? And why are the current steps not working? And all the answers led to empathy. And empathy was my personal differentiator. As a product leader, as a people manager, I was leading with empathy. And that was just doing it in my micro world. But then I realized empathy was the answer. And like, wait, how do we now scale empathy? The problem is not everyone can sit and watch Crip Camp or not any, everyone can, can do this. So how do we create that system? And so we needed an empathy gym. Just like we go and work out every day and we make habits of eating healthy. We need habit and you know, we need to build an empathy habit. And that led me to uh, Jago, which means to wake up in Hindi which is an empathy gym, a mobile app-based platform to make empathy a daily habit with the mission of creating a world where people seek to understand one another. That is incredible and fascinating and inspiring. I mean, that just that story alone is uh, really inspiring. And I, I commend you for what you've done and the, the decisions that you've made. And so you say that you're leading your startup to create a world where people seek to understand one another by making empathy a daily habit. So can we get more into what that concept of the empathy gym is and how that actually works? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. And thank you for, for your kind words of support. It really means a lot. Um, when, when we look at empathy, um, it's perspective taking and it takes work. Empathy is not, is not easy. It's like, Oh, let's be empathetic, empathetic. And a lot of times people confuse sympathy or compassion with empathy. And there is a difference. 
And it is important. Empathy doesn't mean we agree with each other. It just means we understand each other. That's, that's in order to understand your perspective. And so to do that, I, we looked at a lot of, we create a team where, where it's a community driven program, uh, project that we're doing. It's not just me and one co-founder. We, I, I reached out to people and I said, Hey, we're doing this. We're not going to become billionaires. This is not that, but this is to make an impact. Do you want to come? You have a day job. That's great. Let's do this as a side hustle in the nights. And then I got a team together of eight co-founders that we came together as a community to do this work. And what we built is a mobile app that we, you can download right now on iOS and Android. And, it, uh, and you first look, you create your profile and you learn about your intersectionality. So you create your intersectional profile and you understand that each human comes from different intersectional backgrounds and it grows over time. And your intersectional profile on Joggle will grow over time as well. So initially you talk, we do the five things, a race, uh, uh, ethno-racial group, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, and disability. So some of the, Common understand. So understand that someone who is black or brown can also have disabilities, can also have different gender identities, can be at different age groups. And understanding this is an important aspect of removing stereotypes, removing stereotypes is that way that we as humans created to try to be empathetic, but just ended up doing harm. And so we start there and then we have uh, we source uh, we uh, source stories from all over the world. Anyone can down upload their own story in three minutes or less. We have prompts. We have uh, we have themes that you can choose from to upload your story. The idea is everyone's stories matters, and we should empower everyone's story. It's not just the person landing the plane on the Hudson whose story should be empowered. Everyone, even that mom in the grocery store who's struggling to keep that child calm, their story matters. And so we want to hear everyone's story. So to understand that everyone comes from a unique lived experience and that helps remove assumptions and become aware of our biases. And then you watch the story. So as, a, as an explorer, because I hate the word consumer. So as an explorer, you watch a story and you learn deep listening because you have to listen, you have to watch in three minutes. And then you ask six questions. The first one is, how did you feel after you watched the story? And this teaches you self-empathy. It's very important. A lot of the times, most of the time, people don't pause and reflect on their own feelings. So you answer that question. The next question is, how do you think the storyteller felt when they were telling that story? And then you answer the question. And then based on your, and then on your response, we'll tell you whether you mastered what the storyteller said they felt. The next is, what do you think the storyteller felt when they were living that story? So this is so you self-empathy, deep listening, and then you go into perspective taking. You have to put yourself into that situation of the story they explained. And then you have to understand their feelings. And then you answer and you see whether you're not matched with them. Then you're asked, would you like, uh, how much did the outlook change on this topic? So this is a moment of reflection. Wait, now that I understand the story, how much of my biases and assumptions did it change or did it impact? Would you recommend this story to others? And then would you like to thank the storyteller for their courage? Recognizing that telling your story is an act of courage, is vulnerability, is powerful. And then based on your engagement, you get a score. You get to, it's a little gamified. So you said to see your growth, just like your weight and a BMI or nutritional aspects, you get to see your growth as well. And then you're tracking that and you can share your own story. We, we encourage you to share your own stories as well. And so this is the version that anyone can download and use. It's available for companies. We, we bring that to companies and, and organizations that says, now you can provide this as a benefit. We need to stop saying diversity, equity, inclusion as a training. It's a benefit to be diverse. It's a benefit to be equitable. It's a benefit to belong. Offer it as a benefit to all your employees uh, with your leaders for sharing their stories. They get access to their own private library 
where they can share stories that do not get shared outside the company. And they are this, every person goes through a unique learning journey and the company stories get prioritized first. So you are drawn in and then each person can watch the story and grow their empathy skills. But all the employees uh, scores are anonymized and become the company score that's advertised publicly. So you can see the com- public's commitment to learning empathy, diversity, equity, inclusion goals. So it attracts talent. It helps retain talent longer, helps pe- people feel seen and heard because now in the company, people can share their own stories within the company. And then you can start seeing the humans behind the titles. You can start understanding each other and builds a culture of empathy and vulnerability that is positive, breaks down the toxicity and the hierarchical structures in the company. That's incredible. So you say the Jago, uh, you know, you help companies improve employee happiness, engagement, retention, uh, build strong cultures, and therefore you're helping them deliver better services and value to their customers. Can you t- tell us a little bit more about how you help companies actually implement this strategy in their overall company culture? Yeah. So what we uh, what we recommend is um, first keep it separate from your internal system. We want to create that judgment-free, safe space where people feel comfortable with discomfort because learning empathy is an uncomfortable thing. And our, we create a unique learning journey based on the intersectional profile of each person. So it's not like YouTube where you have to browse. We say, no, you watch the first video, then this is your next video. This is your next story. And we take you because we slowly build that discomfort. First, you're comfortable, and then we slowly do that. So what we offer, what we recommend to the companies is you don't want to bring it into your HR system. You don't want to bring it in. You want to keep it separate because just like a physical gym, you want to keep that as a benefit. And so in case an employee leaves, they can take their growth and learning with them to the next company. And so... They, we verify the, through their company email that they belong to that internal organization. They get access to all our public library. We have hundreds of stories on the platform now um, the, from the public. And then the um, company, we recommend all the CC team and the leadership and the managers to first record their stories before even asking anyone else. Record your story. Show that you can be vulnerable. Show that you are supporting this culture of vulnerability. And these aren't stories about, hey, I'm really great. It's stories based on our prompts. Prompts like, when is the first time you realize you were blank? And these could be anything, a woman, a man, white, black, brown, immigrant, gay. First time you realize you were a mom. First time you realize you were a salesperson. It could be any of these things. Or a time when you changed your mind about something. Share your story. Share your humanity and put that in. And then in addition to that, we also offer uh, like an empathy one-on-one workshop, which is like a fundamental, let's get you started, like get you the fundamental language of what empathy is, why is it important. And we also offer a safe space, a safe zone workshop, which is through the LGBTQ lens. Um, um, I'm a gay man. I've got uh, co-founders who are also in the queer, uh, who identify as queer. And so we lead this LGBTQ safe space, safe zone workshop to help uh, companies use the lens, but to create safe zones and safe, uh, safe spaces within the company as well. So we offer these booster trainings to help sort of solidify to continue learning. The big difference we, we tell them is you can't look at diversity, equity, and inclusion as a checkbox as a once a year thing. If you hired a personal trainer and you only went and worked out with that personal trainer once a year, you're not going to see any results. So the, similarly, this is a continuous work. So to make it easy, we say two stories a day, six minutes a day. That's all. You watch your story, answer six questions, watch another story, answer six questions, upload your own story when you feel like it. And then watch the story. Uh, you'll get the stories from the leaders. You'll get stories from each other, build a culture where storytelling to each other becomes a thing. And then we facilitate that by, by 
first getting the leaders involved, then doing do, using our workshops, and then checking in with with the uh, with the employees on how they're doing, as well as um, bringing in speakers. So uh, because this is a continuous service, we bringing in boosters like speakers and like, hey, here's a theme for this month is Black History Month. So we brought someone else to come in and sort of bring in that learning that you're learning continuously and bring in expert uh, guidance as well. I love that. And it, as I'm listening to you tell me all this, I also think it's incredible and worth noting that you just told us this started in June of 2020, right? We yeah. are in April of 2021. It sounds like you have been able to put together uh, an incredible program in a pretty short amount of time. Uh, I, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I think when I look back, it's been tough. It's been, hard, it's been a hard ride, but yeah, because I think we got a team together that is so motivated behind the impact. I didn't, we're not, I'm not paying anyone. I'm bootstrapping this company. I didn't go raise venture funds because I wanted to focus on the impact and not let's go, go, go make profit as fast as possible for the sake of capitalism or for the sake of profit, right? It was, let's go make the impact. And if you do make the impact, we're going to make money. It's a, it is for profit, but it doesn't mean we, we have to focus on the profit. Let's focus on the impact because the part that's changing, why I think we should stop using the word consumer and explorer, because humans are now understanding that we are here to experience. We are not here to consume. And to experience, I want to understand the impact of my experience. And that's where I think if we focus on the impact, and if you notice all the companies, if you watch Shark Tank, if you watch, if you understand the companies that are focused on your impact are the ones people really love, gravitate to, attract, and focusing on their mission. And so that's what we did. And so, yeah, I, I attribute to an incredible team that's come together with this mission. In fact, a lot of the people, like our co-founders tell me that, Kevin, even if nothing happens, the fact that we went and did these workshops and the fact that we made some impact and got these stories is incredible. It is. And I think you're absolutely right that it's going to play out in time. It, it will work in the way that you uh, need it to work in terms of, you know, financially. But I think that it makes so much sense and it drives your impact further when that's how you're approaching it, when impact is your number one goal. So you also focus on using empathy as a tool to help companies or employees um, to act with the empowerment of diversity of ideas and perspectives to improve equity and justice in their products. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So the reason we opened it up to the public to get their stories is because I didn't want to go curate stories. I didn't want to say like, oh, your story matters and your story matters. Everyone's story matters. And we have some incredible stories in, in the platform, in, in Jago. So when you watch someone's story, so especially because at the end of the day, any company you're part of, eventually it ends up, to the end, end consumer, right? It, the impact in some way. You're, either it's a B2B company, whatever it is. At the end of the day, it's impacting the humans. So you want to understand the humans you're interacting with. Businesses is just human-to-human interactions. It's I'm trying to influence you, you're trying to influence me, and we're trying to give each other uh, products and services and help, help each other grow and help keep this community and economy alive. And so with, with that in mind, if we start understanding different humans and different perspectives, we'll be better at customer service because now we won't make assumptions. We're going to learn how to ask questions. We're going to learn about their, their intersectional identities. And then based on that, we'll, we'll be able to understand that every person is unique. So by doing that, we'll create those real connections. So customer service gets better. Um, 
sales improvements because now when salespeople, they are more empathetic, they're able to make better connections when they're doing the selling. Leaders will keep talent because people stay for the managers. This is known, right? People leave managers. I left managers. I left like all of those things. So being able to keep talent, nurture talent, grow talent, it becomes really important. And people feel seen or heard. If today, if someone, if you came to me and said, Chris, Christy, uh, Christy, you came to me and said, hey, I just hurt myself. If I said, oh, that's, that, I'm sorry you hurt yourself. How do you feel? You'll feel like, okay, he saw that hurt myself, but I'm still feeling alone in this pain. But what if I said, Christy, or I heard your story, like, oh, I fell down and hurt. Oh, oh shit. I fell down there once and I hurt myself and I know it sucks. Let's sit with your pain. Let's understand it. You feel understood. You feel seen. You don't feel alone in that moment. The worst pain humans can experience is exclusion and feeling alone, that isolation. And so empathy stops that. And in companies, when we start doing that, it gets people to be happy. And if you're happy, you're more engaged. If you feel like you belong, and then you have a sense of ownership in that company and the mission. So then you bring in your own ideas. You understand, you listen to other people's stories and you're like, oh, that, I can help these people. I'm going to bring in these ideas. I'm going to come in and sense of ownership. And why is that not happening right now? Is because people aren't feeling as engaged. Maybe they're just doing a job for the sake of a job. I'm just going to do it nine to five. But what if I had a sense of ownership because I felt I belonged in that team? And that's what this does. It makes complete sense. <laughs> and so at Jago, you believe that empathy can solve the biggest problems in the world. Um, so what would you say are the greatest personal takeaways of shifting to a more empathetic way of life? And how do you think we can all play a role in the bigger picture in terms of using our empathy to shift the world for the better? Wow. A very, a very powerful question. Thank you, uh, Christy. Um, personal takeaway, uh, shifting to empathy. Since, since even Joggins, 2020 was a transformational year for me, even though it was bad and I lost six members of my extended family, including my grand- grandfather, to COVID. So sorry. Um, but it was transformational because this empathy movement. It, it was in Michelle Obama's speech during the Democratic National Convention. Joe Biden talked about it in his inauguration. And it, empathy keeps coming back. It's, the empathy movement is, com- is, is growing. And it is, about, it is about fixing polarization. So here's, here's an example how I, I see how it impacts. I watched the documentary Tiger King. I went in very biased. I was like, this is, I'm married to a marine biologist. I have a dog. Like, I know this is going to be animal abuse. I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad, but I watched it. And what I learned from this, and not, I I don't agree with at all with how they, how that, how they treated the animals. But what I learned is the, the subject of the documentary cared about the animals. They came from a pace of love for the tigers. They cared about the tigers. They just had an upbringing where they went through trauma, abuse, neglect, isolation, exclusion. And what the system did, the liberals or whoever, like we as a system, we said, no, you're abusing the animals. Stop. We're going to like, we pushed against them. And what did they do? They felt not understood. They didn't feel seen or heard and they fought back. And at the end of the day, who lost? Neither one. It was the animals who got abused continuously and the animals who got hurt what if we flipped it we understood we we went and asked them like hey what are you why why do you like this why are you doing this and then um sorry i knocked the computer Um, (laughs) why do you do this and we said oh you're coming from a place of love for these we're coming from a place of love what if we helped you here's some education let's understand what your needs are 
Let's see how we can partner and work together. At the end of the day, the animals would have been, been taken care of. And that person would have feel seen and heard. And they would have come into the fold of let's do it for the animals. So that's where it comes in. The takeaway is let's stop assuming. Let's stop stereotyping. Just because I'm a liberal doesn't mean that these are the things that I understand or my experiences are the same. If I'm an immigrant, this is my experiences. And so um, a a very impactful example was I was having dinner with uh, my my husband's uh, uncle and aunt. I'd never met them, went to Arizona. I was alone, first first trip. Um, to see them and, and my husband didn't go with me. I, di- I was having dinner with them and they brought up their retired, very stereotypical white, um, retired boomers. And they asked, they said, they, they shared with me that they voted for Trump because they wanted the wall. And I, I, I'm an immigrant and I've been through the system and I've been through it all. And I, I, I shared my story instead of saying you're wrong and here's the facts and this is what blah, blah, blah. I just shared my story. I just said my, I spent twenty to $30,000 on immigration so far. I shared my story during my green card interview, how the officer in Florida was trying to find any reason to deny my green card because I felt because I was gay. Uh, and then, in fact, they did. And their supervisor overturned it. Because, and I was crying. I was like devastated. I was like, wait, I'm going to have to leave the country. And this is the person I married. What are we going to do? I have a house here. What are we going to do? And they came up with the reason because I bought a house, you're, you're faking your marriage. No connection, did not make sense. Fortunately, the supervisor overturned it. And then I shared my story of how that journey took 10 years to get through, how painful it was living in constant anxiety. If every immigrant, one thing I would generalize here is every immigrant in the United States who has not yet achieved naturalization or a green card is living in constant anxiety about being thrown out. And I can't every day. It's like, it's like living in a gay closet, but just constantly like your life could be uprooted and thrown away in a second. And that's, that's how you ask any immigrant. And I shared that and they heard me. They listened to my story. And maybe because I was married to their nephew, they listened to my story. And then at the end of the dinner, they, they realized, Oh wait, there is more to this than the wall. And they changed their mind. Wow. And so why I think it can change the world empathy is we can understand the people impacted by climate change. We can understand the people impacted by the systemic racism or by the poverty, by edu- lack of education, lack of health access. We can understand those people and then we can work together to understand, to, to solve these problems. The biggest thing is we need to come together and empathy is the way to do that. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you shared that story because no matter where anybody is in their political opinions, um, I think that was a really prime example how storytelling, being vulnerable, being open, being willing to share your own personal experience can help us to all better understand our commonalities, right? Because we focus so heavily right now, especially, like you said, everything is so polarized, uh, we focus so heavily on what my opinion is and why I feel so strongly that I'm right or that my, um, you know, my side of things is the right and only right way. Uh, that is, you know, our lack of being able to communicate effectively is keeping us from connecting and and finding how much more we have in common than we do 
different, right? Yeah, totally. And so I'm just so glad that you, not only that you shared that, but that that really is what is behind your movement here is the idea is let's hear each other out. Let's, because that is the only way that empathy can be reached, right? That's, that's, that's the goal here. So how important or necessary do you think it will be for company leaders and employees alike to prioritize empathy as a part of their skill sets going forward? Oh my goodness. I call it mission critical. I, 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 I just, the first empathy is categorized as soft skill. And I hate this concept of hard skill, soft skill. It is another form of, of, you know, let's draw a line and oppression and all of these systemic issues that exist. Skill is a skill at the end of the day. And empathy, I would, I would rather have someone with a growth mindset and empathy on the team who's not as technically strong, but are, is willing to learn and grow than someone who's really technically strong is not willing to grow or practice empathy. Google just uh, put out, a, um, I think it was a month ago, that says empathy is the skill of the future. And what I think it is the most important, like managers will not be able to keep any talent or attract talent if they're not practicing empathy. Companies will not be able to retain the t- or attract the best talent if they're not showing their commitment to empathy and the demonstrating that, that aspect. Empathy towards customers. You won't be able to innovate and create amazing products if you're not able to empathize with the customers. That is really important. As a product manager, I would say the number one skill as a product manager is empathy. And then I would say communication. And so Empathy is mission critical. I, if, I, if I had it my way, and I know it may sound controversial, every politician should be practicing empathy. They should show their commitment to empathy. And empathy should be is mission critical to saving humanity. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. <clears throat> and on this podcast, we speak often about the topics of compassion and community. So compassion obviously is very closely aligned with your mission to create more empathy. But what would you say is the value of building stronger communities and how might uh, this promote more empathy? Yeah, a great example of value of bringing strong communities is the LGBTQ community, the queer community. Queer was a term that was derogatory. It was used to bully folks that are trans, that are, that are gay, that are that didn't fit into the mold of the you have to be gender binary and you have to be this way and straight and by building a community let's let's bring everyone together that we are marginalized we were able to make change look the world is changing around us around the and the queer word got taken back into the community and and it's a sign of pride by holding pride parades by holding pride events the world is starting to realize the, and that is all because creating a community where you, LGBTQ folk felt they belonged. And so that is the value of community. The value of community is where we can come together and put our powers together and our, our, our influence together and our abilities together to drive real change for everyone. The change that LGBTQ movement and the folks brought wasn't just change for themselves. They brought change for everyone. People all who might have not identified before as LGBTQ folk, they have a better life now because they have friends who feel like they belong. They have family members that are happy. So that makes them happy. So power of community. Humans, this evolutionary, if you think about it, humans are a community-driven species. 
it is matter of survival for humans. Humans individually didn't, would not have survived if, unless we formed communities. We would have not survived uh, the evolutionary aspect. We formed communities and yes, humans also did a lot of genocide <laughs> because of that. We can't ignore that, but it was communities that drove the value. And it's if we build communities with not, not only focusing on the in intent, but also focusing on the impact and owning the impact, we can drive positive change and we can we can truly bring value to to everyone. I can't thank you enough for everything that you've shared so far, because I just think this is a powerful conversation. Um, it surprised me in a lot of ways, honestly, because I didn't realize just how much uh, empathy can be integrated in so many different ways. I mean, especially with these businesses and companies that you're aligning to work with, but yeah, every single human being on this planet could benefit from what you're doing. Can benefit yeah. <laughs> from this type of training, um, and not even just training, but committing to the process of what you're trying to walk people through, like committing to growth, committing to the growth mindset, committing to wanting to be a more empathetic person will, in essence, help everybody. Yeah. Everything, right? Absolutely. And the first thing just to do that commitment is help yourself. This is going to help you feel seen and heard. This is going to help you be understood, not feel alone. Because when you upload the story in Jago, you see how many people have viewed, but you also see how many people have thanked you for your courage. How amazing it is. Instead of seeing likes, which is what our brain is like, we're addicted to, it's addicted. Someone thanking us for courage is not addictive. That is powerful. It's powerful. empowering. Yes. And so that's, we're changing the difference. In fact, we cap you. We don't want you to be addicted to this. We say, no, come back tomorrow. You don't get to watch more. You get to come back tomorrow and build that habit. So in, in, unlike other platforms, it's all about engagement and, and addiction. We are trying to remove that as well. And so help yourself by first learning empathy for yourself, self-empathy. And by doing that, you'll, you'll be able to help everyone else and just be happy and fulfilled yourself. Yes. And make that a priority. Yes, that's oh, I just I, I feel like I could talk about this for another three hours because I'm so intrigued with what you're doing. <laughs> but I know we have to wrap it up. So lastly, um, can you tell us how we can follow along with the awesome work that you're doing and follow along with your mission and help support you along the way? Oh, thank you. Yeah, you can download the app, download the app, send us feedback to our website, jago.life, J-A-A-G-O dot L-I-F-E. And I purposely picked jago.life because it's a lifelong thing. It's not a one and done thing. And it's a movement. And so you can go to our website. I will always respond to everyone's feedback. So we'd love your feedback. Check and share your stories. That is the best way you can help us is sharing your stories into the platform, empowering your story. Uh, if you have a company and you want to try Jago out, we'll offer a free trial. Uh, all the listeners for Christy, you just mentioned this, and we'll give you an extra month of free trial for Jago as well. And um, in, in addition to that, you can follow along on our social media at Jago Life is our social media on all platforms, as well as connect with me on LinkedIn or any like any platform you find Kevin Shaw or Jago. You, uh, we will we would love to follow along. It's um, I I share a lot on LinkedIn. I'm very active and talk about a lot of these systemic issues and how we break those down. And you, know, you can follow along that content as well um, and uh, reach out. I would love to, and Twitter. I'm on every platform. Just reach out, except TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, I guess. But, <laughs> um, 
uh, we'd, we'd love to follow and um, get your feedback and we'd love to get your company started on and it could be a nonprofit for nonprofits I'm offering it for free um, and for profit companies please join uh, connect we will help you get on the empathy movement right away I think that you are adding so much value to the world right now and I, I thank you for the courage that it took to leave the position you were in and make the decision that you made uh, because we're all going to benefit from what you're doing now. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here. We will follow along and uh, we're just grateful for everything you shared with us today. Oh, thank you, Christy. Sending you love and appreciate. I feel seen and heard by you. So thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Be The Good Podcast, please like, comment, and share. And for all updates, you can follow along at Be The Good Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, we can all find our own way to be the good.